Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Inside the Oval podcast presented by Dignity Health. I'm Haley Jones. And I'm Patty Kwan. And today we are doing a 49ers design takeover. So I'm excited to introduce creative director Aaron Lavore, who is Inside the Oval episode 32, graphic design senior manager Christine Zambetti, who was episode 23, and senior motion and graphic designer Noah Hammerman, who was episode 37. Welcome, guys. What's up? Or welcome back, I guess. We are back in a different format. The second takeover that we've done on Inside the Oval. Back and better than ever. Back and better (laughs) than ever. That's what I like to hear. So to start, we just wrapped up the 2023 NFL Draft. What goes into creating a look for the draft? Take us through the process from like the time you get the name to the time you, you know, research and get the graphic out. I feel like a lot of the work starts way before the draft. Like you get all the prep work done. You create all the templates. Noah really led the charge on it this year. Um, But a lot of that is just having everything prepared ahead of time so that when it happens, you're just hopefully cranking it out. Yeah, we've had the benefit of having this established Faithful to the Bay brand for a few years now. So coming into this, we were just kind of like exploring some extra things, but then this time it's a little bit more authentic with our style, with like our embroidery and uh, our visual style and, and graphic design. So anything extra was cool. Really, when it came down to it this past weekend, it was like we were spending a lot of time waiting. <laughs> like we're ready. We're just ready. So we were kind of bored. It was kind of funny what we were doing in between draft picks. How much pressure do you guys feel each year on an event like draft to add something new or make it look at least a little different? Yeah, I think that's the challenge, right? It's like every year you've been sticking with the same brand because you have that same storyline, but you're trying to elevate it and like one-up yourself and figure out how to like make everything that you're doing that much better. But it's a fun challenge. That's the stuff that, that makes it interesting. We're, we're really hard on ourselves, actually. Yeah. We like one-up ourselves and like really we're just serving ourselves. Yeah. But then our fans, know, our fans are so adept to like seeing the changes in our, in our creative, which is really cool. Yeah, it's fun when a fan calls it out, too. They're like, oh, you added this, or you went with this direction this year, and you used this photo. I mean, we even got to use A.J. Murray. He's, I think he was on your podcast, too, but yeah, got yeah, to use was. his photo that he was out in yeah. the Yeah, as soon as taking. he posted it, I was like, A.J., we got to use this, and I knew exactly where to use it. And it's also really cool seeing some of our fans and their fan artwork, and a lot of it 
a lot of stuff they do is inspired with what we're already doing, which is kind of humbling and also scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, they said you kind of took the lead with this year's draft. Just how did that go? And you taking on this responsibility, just welcoming these these new guys to our team. I think a lot of it's preparation. Like as long as you're, you know, extra prepared for uh, whatever case may be, I think everything's ready to go. Uh, so the actual drafting of guys part is less scary. It's less daunting. You know, there's not a lot less unexpected. But yeah, it was a fun process getting to put all of it together. A lot of it's like building your original piece, hating it, going back to it, scratching it uh, three times over, and then figuring it out on your own and having a team behind you that supports that. So yeah, that's it, it was a really cool, you know, look. And I, I think it was appreciated by, by many, but yeah, I, I loved it. I think Noah's specialty is being prepared for anything at any point in time. I agree with that. I think he has a perfect demeanor for draft and our game days as well. Because it's high pressure. Like, you have to be very agile. Like, we don't know when we know what picks are coming in. But as soon as we know, like, he's, like, the most calm person in the room. Like, you know, I don't see what, what's on his uh, eye watch, but I'm sure he's very calm. His heart rate's really low. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I have a low heart rate. It's good. It's good. You guys are a really collaborative group. How do you decide who is working on what? Sometimes it just depends on availability. Best ability is availability. Mm -hmm. That's what John Lynch <laughs> I've, says. I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like who's available to do what? Like while he was doing draft stuff, I was getting some of the schedule stuff prepared. Aaron was working on some of the bigger picture things for the season that's going to come up afterwards so some of it's who's available some of it's like if you have an idea we're open to it and then we will work off of each other's ideas which kind of makes everything that we do that much better yeah kind of gauge who's kind of already doing the work back end work like those already like researching you know stuff for motion graphics or whatever that you know the, the packages he already works on so it's almost like we're assuming but also we know what, what we're all good at, which is which is great with our team, where we have different strengths and kind of lean on each other for that. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to say. It's like play to the strengths. Um, a lot of us are great at some things and not as good at others, but it takes practice to get there. I think we're all Swiss Army knives, though, in that respect, so we can kind of work on anything and be fully prepared. It's kind of a common understanding. We're such a small team that there's no way we can't just be good at one thing. Like, we have to, like, teach each other new things. Like, Noah is, like, really well-versed in what's new with Adobe, and he's got some some ins with Adobe, which is great. Like, we were trying out new programs this off-season, and Draft is, like, the first time we get to try out some things. Um, so, like, new textures are, like, a fun... It's a, it's a really deep rabbit hole we're jumping into. The other week, you messaged me, and you were like, name some ridiculous scenario. <laughs> How have you been exploring some of the new technology in AI and what is coming? I feel like I should get commissioned for this or something. <laughs> but no, I think what's cool is uh, making connections. I think that's like something we talked about on my episode, but it's also like coming full circle in moments like these, um, capitalizing on those connections too. You know, happily, I've made like a lot of friendships in this field um, that aren't just like in sports design. I think that's really important. And due to that, I've been able to have like beta tests and different things 
um, especially in this kind of AI world that we're living in. So I've been testing out generative AI programs and stuff like that, um, and it's been really neat. And Adobe has this new program called Firefly, and they have, you know, different things you could do with it. You could do, you know, letter, letter forms and creating new 3D layers and stuff like that. I think what I've been focusing on is the generative imagery kind of realm. What's and, the craziest prompt you've had? But but that's the cool thing is that it's a, a non, non, I guess, copyrighted prompts you can just test and it'll give you crazy images. So testing from Adobe stock. So basically it's not from anywhere on the internet. It's really just this finite resources, but I've been giving folks around my team and around the office opportunities to give me wacky scenarios like monster eating bagel uh, in the ocean, <laughs> things like that. And then it'll come up with imagery that may be accurate, may not be, but it's really neat to start to see where we can use this as a resource instead of a hindrance where people believe this is scary. I believe it's an opportunity. So looking at looking back at our team history in like random social content, especially game day content. We've had instances where we could have used AI. Like Christine did a Mitch Wisnowski <laughs> standing on or kicking on top of a uh, blooming onion. The blooming thing. onion. <laughs> that was a few years ago. Yes. But like we could have used AI for that. And we've had several like Nick Bosa, you know, bear reference. Bear. And I think that that might come in handy near future in the ai world we live in or are starting to live in i feel like the thing i've seen is how easy things like chat gpt would be to do homework would you have used it to write an essay for you when you were in school we'll be honest yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah ai is such a huge topic right now like every job type people are talking about like my brothers are all software engineers in silicon valley and it always comes up in our text conversations. Like, my brother was like, this whole prompt, this coding prompt, I spent, I usually would spend like eight hours on. It, it took me 30 seconds with this chat GTP thing. It's just like kind of mind-blowing. I feel like it's like every generation, there's a new thing that kind of transforms how people do things. I've, and I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial, and back then it was like the the use of, the internet, like once people adapted to it, it was like part of every job, part of every home. And now it's like AI. How is, how is that going to make everyone's job efficient? Or is it, people are talking about like, it's going to take people's, people's jobs and, you know, it's going to be like the future and a bunch of these movies that came out that is kind of hinting at that. I think it opens opportunities. Like you were saying, it's kind of like, it can speed up your process because it takes out some of the like back end work that maybe you would have had to put in hours to do something, but that gives you hours back to do something else, even more advanced or different with your creativity that you can come up with um, outside of what the machine can do. So you just lean into letting it help you rather than being yeah. afraid of it. Like lean into it to remove the mundane part. Mm-hmm. Like we were just looking at this prompt for, there's an example for uh, video editors. Um, you could run an AI plugin and it removes all the silences and cuts your videos, your raw videos down by a lot. And like if you're, you film like an hour worth of content, it could do it by itself and shred it down to like 10 minutes, which is amazing. Kind of, it's very useful for things that, you know, people have jobs, entry level jobs to do these things that are mundane and lets people be more creative. And I think people find themselves always saying in this field, especially like, oh, if I only had 
X to do this thing I'm passionate about. You know, if I only had like an hour to do this a day, then I'd be so far along in this kind of thing. Well, these are the opportunities where you could see that forming. So I think that's it's really neat. Wow, that was a great pitch for for Adobe. Well done, Noah. <laughs> no, Adobe, if you're no. listening, Noah Hammerman. What was <laughs> There's it, an hour back in your day. What was the Disney movie? Was it Wally? Yeah. Where like in the future, mm-hmm. you get a glimpse of people who are just not functioning physically. They're just sitting on things. There's screens in front of them. And they fall over. They don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> like people's fear is like, oh, AI is going to take over a lot of jobs and no one's not going to do anything physically. Everything's going to be done for you, which is um, kind of funny. Yeah. The only, I'm not super well-versed in AI. The only, when I hear AI, I think Alan Iverson. So mm, The crossover. <laughs> Andre Iguodala. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a Slack channel called Only Settle for Dope. What does that mean? It's the motto. What's the motto with you? <laughs> I, um, I think when we first established the, our uh, Slack name, it was just like design team or something. We were like, let's make it funner. And I kind of brought this, the term dope. I mean, we used it a lot in my previous jobs with, with creative. And um, I've always experienced like when you're looking at, you're critiquing someone else's work, is the work cool? Is it good enough? Or is it dope? And I, you know, I thought it was a cool idea to just use that word a lot with our team. And Christine and our original team loved it. And we've just been using it all these years. I want to go back quickly to something Noah said, which was uh, if you only had like an extra hour to do this something creative. And we don't usually have that because we work in a very busy industry. But I'm curious, and this is actually a a question I learned from Christine. What's the last thing you learned? I'm taking Italian. Yeah. Christine can tell you... Uh, my sister is in jail. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's the important things that you learn on Duolingo. Duolingo's random. <laughs> I'm doing Duolingo too, Japanese. And uh, I'm on a one-day streak. <laughs> <laughs> one day at a time. Um, I think like hard skills-wise, uh, I think we're all learning 3D um, stuff. So like here at work, we're learning a, a lot of, you know, interesting things and how to dive into that space. So we just... Um, the team downloaded Adobe Substance 3D. Which, it's like Christmas for us. Oh, you should have seen uh, Noah's body language last week. <laughs> he was so excited. <laughs> I think it's all about potential, though. I think it's like really some cool stuff because we're as like as viewers, you guys see a lot of our work and it's very organic. And I'm sure that's the feeling we want to give off. Like, you know, you're in a scrapbook or you're watching, you know, somebody embroider something, or you're feeling these stickers, like that's the kind of feeling we want to bring. Um, with programs like these, we can try to bring that digitally. And not only for the sake of us, like we don't have to spend a lot of money to get it printed or anything. We can stay in house and make it digitally and um, it still has that look and feel. So I think that's the really like exciting part, but yeah, that's what we've been all learning collectively. Yeah. Sorry, non-designer in the room. What is that? Oh, they're all like 3D programs. So essentially like you can create with materials and shapes and start to put <clears throat> new things together. Uh, for us, we're using it specifically for embroidery and things that look like stitching. So stitching has been a part of our DNA for our Faithful to the Bay brand. Um, and it goes back to the jackets. The jackets have been 
you know, any fan will tell you like one of their most prized things in their closet is the 49ers satin jacket. So we've always leaned on like that piece. I mean, it's in the museum as well. So one of our first exercises when we kind of wanted to rebrand um, was we went to uh, Joanne's Fabrics. <laughs> we spent like $250 on all these like random fabrics and textures. And we you took that and we did a photo shoot um, right before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit. And then we were literally shopping in our own closet. But fast forward to today, how many years later? Three years later. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still exploring that textural apparel. It just feel if it feels handcrafted and cut and sew, I don't know if that's a real term, but it is now. I think I've heard it before. <laughs> but we're we're you've been on the edge of like do we buy an embroidery machine or do we go digital and figure out how to do it digitally? And we've kind of jumped off the digital end, which is amazing because it looks amazing as far as our, our first explorations with the stitching. I think the really cool thing about it is it's opened the uh, opportunity of being able to save us time on certain things. So you can do certain things digitally. And then we have like actual physical textiles and physical patches and like physical embroidered things that we can include into it that like keeps it authentic to what we've been doing and makes it feel real and like things that we can physically, like I got really excited when we got delivered a box of patches. I was like really happy. (laughs) It's just like opens the opportunity, but then having like an application like that, that you can do digital as well, gives you that many more assets that you can work with. Where is your $250 worth of fabric now? Oh, I have some of it. Yeah, it's it's in our room. I think half of it is in my drawer of like unused fabric, but uh, we we did take photos of them. So We were going to collage it. I feel I like you guys should do like design room pillows or something. Mm. So you might need to get that machine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Amazon. So you mentioned the you know the fabrics and the textures and things like that are kind of a nod to the historic uh nature of the satin jackets and and sort of what it means to a 49ers fan how do you just how do you blend together that nostalgia with just upcoming trends and keeping things fresh and relevant i think we've leaned into like what the like culture of the bay area is so it's more than just the, you know, we try to use like city landscape things. We try to use textiles. We try to use uh, music. We try to use cars, food, like anything that you can think of that like goes into the Bay Area culture is what builds the Faithful to the Bay brand and mm-hmm. leans into who the faithful are and like who's cheering for this team and who the team is. Yeah, a lot of teams and, and brands like to use a if you know, you know type of um creative DNA and luckily like our fan base, our fans, our region are very like prideful bunch. So if they see something like, Oh, I know what cross street that is. Like we use a photo of like hate Ashbury. I mean, that's it. That's an obvious one, but like, you know, seeing things that they're familiar with, like we hope and, you know, we'll kind of strike a chord in that sense. And then if you're not here, you feel like you're part of what is happening here. Back to faithful to the Bay. What industry trends are happening across maybe not only just sports design, but, you know, design, brand design in general that you've seen that, you know, you might try to incorporate into into our 
uh, look and feel. I mean, beyond AI stuff, I think there's plenty out there to discover. I think like branding design, uh, a lot of people like to keep it like, I wouldn't say minimalist, but like simplistic. Uh, that's a big trend, keeping everything to like a cutout of a player and a texture and then the stat or whatever it may be. That's super popular. Yeah, I, I'd say like very simplistic design, but mixed with like crazy design. Like there's some that's like 3D craziness. And then in my like specific kind of focus in motion design, I think there's plenty going on. I think like that it it's uh, a lot of social design, but mixed with video. So video with imagery, um, with like light layers and different things. It's not just like, you know, static flipping through like 12 frames per second, like super simple stuff. It's like very high quality using 4K footage um, for like 12 seconds, you know. So they're they're making really good quality things in a shorter amount of time. Whereas it used to be, let's make the simplest things for the small amount of time and then we'll move it. The balance is really interesting. Uh, football is a very aggressive sport. We like seeing a lot of like high impact things on photos and videos. Uh, but as creatives, as designers, we, I mean, I, I might speak for all of us, but like we all learned in design school to become, to be very minimalistic. What's the easiest way to communicate something without doing too much? But then you get into football and sports, it's like people want to see like high, high impact stuff, things blowing up. I mean, it's just, you know, we have to find this, this balance that we've been trying to craft. I mean, every off season we're, we're trying to think of that. Like, how do we make it cool in a designer creative way, but also address like what our fans like to see? Yeah, also from like what other teams are doing, we try to stay aware of what they're doing and we definitely look to it. But I think at the end of the day, we try to set our own standard and figure out what people outside of sports are doing that we could bring in. Like what our design trends or like the surf brands, or we even went on a trip to a museum here to see what kinds of um, different styles of art that we could incorporate in that makes you think outside of the box of what you're seeing across the social landscape for sports. Yeah, easy to get inspired in, in the Bay Area with all, all our resources and recreational activities. Sometimes just like go to the beach for the day to get away yeah. and like, your mind a little bit and that gets you creative in a different direction. I read, so I have this book that I leave in the office by Rick Rubin. I forgot the name of the book, but there's a bunch of quotes on it that like kind of inspire you as a creative. Uh, one of the quotes, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it, was you have to disengage. Sometimes you have to disengage to engage. And it's very, very relevant, especially like if you're working six days a week, the, the football season is very long. Some days... Some weeks are like, man, I can't wait for that Saturday, that, that one day I have off. But, I mean, we, I, we could probably, I mean, you guys all go hiking and play pickleball. And, like, you can't wait for that Saturday so you could kind of disengage. So you can, like, re-engage on come game day or, or Monday. Yeah, even draft, we're, you know, doing 40-yard dashes to try to clear our <laughs> mind in between while we're waiting for the next draft pick. I could say that's probably not an industry standard. <laughs> Aaron had the best running form I've ever seen, though. His <laughs> arms were 90 degrees the To be whole honest, time. I've been practicing. So my first grader, he loves to race me. Like, wherever <laughs> we have a basketball practice outside, he's like, Dad, I want to race you. Like, he eventually is going to beat me, but I'm like, <laughs> I give him, like, a three-second head start first, but I've been practicing, so. 
That's where it comes from. It shows. He does beat you. (laughs) This is not to do with design at all. What is your thought on, like, what age do you stop or do you ever let your children beat you in, like, board games or, like, running races? Hmm. They're going to listen to this soon. soon. Pretty soon. (laughs) My kid's seven. I probably, I still let him beat me in arm wrestling, which is kind of funny. (laughs) I'd say in a couple years, maybe, like, before 10 years old. Because then at some point he's going to beat you for real. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe never. You don't Maybe know. Maybe never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, learning to lose is also a good, is a good lesson in life. Can you tell us about a time you learned to lose? Well, I'm the youngest, so I have mm. a brother and sister that they would never just let you win. Mm. Um, board games, you know, video games, basketball outside. My brother's older than me, taller than me. He'd still block me. There was no just letting me get a shot in, you know? Yeah. You gotta learn those lessons. You know what, though, you're a really gracious loser. Well, thank you. Maybe that's because I've been taught all my life. How this to will do be it. a great clip. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a teaser right there. I'm curious on like drawing inspiration. You talked about going to the museum. You guys have done a bunch of other field trips, but in terms of the field trips that you guys go on, do you go in with any sort of agenda or like this is what we're trying to like find inspiration for or do you just kind of pick somewhere and let it speak to you? I mean, we've had things that we are trying to find inspiration for vaguely. Like the last year's Media Day set was kind of inspired by our museum trip, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't specifically that we went into it to find inspiration for media day. I think if you went into it with like a agenda, it would kind of take away from the creative, like just openness of being able to take in whatever you see and like apply it to wherever it might fit best. Last year was kind of fun at the De Young Museum of Art there is a piece that kind of stopped us in our tracks. And we were, we were already looking for inspo for Media Day, and that was like the most obvious thing. It, had some, it was like a painted a uh, bunch of panels, wood panels hammered together, and it had so much depth to it. I was like, oh, we should do that for um, our Media Day set. And that was kind of like the, uh, the, the thing that started it all. Like we were thinking about what, what we could put in our, our panels and, and paint things gold and... In the heat of the summer, we were painting outside and having fun. But, like, that that kind of brought our team together, I thought. Yeah, I think it also, like, those trips reaffirm um, ideas that we've had, not only, like, create them. I think at the end of the season last year, after the 75th campaign, it was, like, a lot of focus went into that. Um, and then once it kind of faded down, um, we all got together, kind of pitched, like, ideas of what we could look at and start doing and one of the ideas that was like on kind of a collective all of our things but you know some more than others was stickers which you saw like was kind of the brand look last year and it was kind of an idea like a baseline idea and also like very digital like not at all like organic or anything like that and then after the day young museum we went to Haight ashbury street and quite literally just walked around like from keys are onto Haight ashbury and just, you know, walked and then kept noticing that as a trend. Like, it kept popping up. Like, oh, there's there's more, like, packs of stickers that are just, like, falling off, like, stacked on top of each other yeah. of, like, pizza places to 
taco trucks to like anything you yeah, could possibly am- imagine. Amoeba Music Store, that the famous music store, it had the whole wall of like stickers and band stickers. And it was like, this has probably been here for forever. And then every store, even like the boutique stores, had some sort of like sticker decor, which was like, okay, there's a, this is definitely the common thread. And that kind of reassured us that we were on the right path with like our creative. But I think that goes to show like when you come, if you come into it with preconceived notions, I think you're doing it the wrong way. I think like we went into that just looking for ideas and it, it turned looking out for great. lunch, really. Yeah. And we were hungry and we <laughs> ate. Had Mex- good Mexican food and great Mexican. When I think of stickering, this is just, this is going to show my age. I remember in textbooks, I was the person who made their textbook cover out of like the brown paper, like grocery bags. You could either like buy the stick, the stretchy ones or make them. And then I uh, stickered it. Do you guys remember what you did to decorate slash cover your textbooks? I definitely thought you were going to go the Lisa Frank. Was it Lisa Frank stickers? No, I was never into Lisa oh. Frank. No, oh, my sister loves Lisa. <laughs> I felt like that was kind of a staple. Mm. What's so funny <laughs> is I had this conversation with Nick Bosa during our MLK school packing assembly community event this year because we were packing school kits for kids in Oakland and we were just getting really nostalgic that we literally started talking about like textbook covers. Like, were you a stretchy person because that showed you were kind of bougie, or were you like the brown? Oh, I was a stretchy paper, person. But, yeah, you were kind of bougie. <laughs> I didn't know I mean, it was bougie. Gracious just loser, but very bougie. But very okay. bougie. Like, I think I had like the stretchy one for like two of my textbooks, and then like the rest were brown paper bag, courtesy of um, my father who did that. But yeah, like <laughs> I feel like there was like kind of a like a stigma, like oh, you were cool if you had like the stretchy book cover from oh, Target. That was cool. I didn't oh, even know I had the the recycled paper bags. Yep. My mom was amazing at wrapping books, so I, I, my un- uncoordinated self would never do it. It was my mom. <laughs> I just yeah. like the colors. They were like a sock for your book, kind of. But they had all sorts of different colors, and I don't know. Isn't that they just probably w- were handed down, honestly, from my yeah. brother and sister? It's just wild to me that like we were covering textbooks. Like you don't we don't want to pay for the damage I, on the corner. I guess, but like, I don't know. It's just like a funny concept. I think it's crazy that we would carry 10 plus pounds of books and backpacks as children. Yeah, do they still use textbooks or is it like all online? Now? Those, those old library books were amazing because they were like stuck in time, like it'd be stamped. When you check books out, some of them mm-hmm. went, went back to the 70s. So yeah. they smell, it still smells like the 70s, <laughs> whatever that smell is. <laughs> Who's this person? <laughs> I know. You have to do your research. Just Google this person. Yeah. You guys are having fun over here. I think my last four years of college were all like PDFs. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, that shows nice. your age. It's good yeah. for your back, though. Yeah. Oh, it's great <laughs> for my back. I'm showing my age. You guys touched on just how much work goes into building a look and feel for a brand. And I want to know what the feeling is like for you guys when you see your work in the wild. Like literally we walk into the studio and Christine is sitting in front of a banner that she designed or like in Mexico, you know, you were at, you know, La Casa de los 49ers and you saw your, your, uh, your designs on the, uh, at a grand scale, you know, beyond digital. Just like, what is that feeling like? The most humbling is seeing like, like pulling up to a gas station and seeing like some guy selling, um, (laughs) bootleg t-shirts in the back of a truck and like want to pay him like that's cool man where'd you you get the design from i think one of the cool ones 
so I did the banners that were on the stadium for a couple years ago, Faithful and Faithful Now, and it had players on it. And I was home uh, in Memphis, and there was like this bright red truck covered in 49ers stickers. And some of the stickers wore cutouts of the banners of the players that were on the banners that I created. And I was like, how did how did they even do that and like turn it into a decal on their car? Screenshot from social media? Screenshot of a photo of a banner (laughs) that, I don't know. And then like, this was like Memphis. It's like thousands of miles away. It was just a really cool experience to see that impact that it made like to someone someone's yeah. like passion for it's the team seeing people wear t-shirts you've designed in the gym yeah. uh, that's that's a cool feeling yeah i think it's like extremely humbling to see all that stuff um you know i i i take myself like i try to take myself backwards a lot because i always like focus on the next thing i love doing that like okay we got to tackle this this and this um and those are like you know mundane tasks that you just keep moving on um i think I was walking into draft the other day and I had parked in the completely wrong parking lot and whatever. <laughs> and everybody was watching me, you know, walk to the building. And I think like I took moments like that to stare at the stadium and I was like, it's unbelievable. Like this, this whole experience is unbelievable that I'm, you know, able to go in here and like do the job that I do every day. So I think like it takes a lot of moving forward, you know, cause you have to take a bunch of steps forward to eventually look back. And I think that fans looking at our designs, being able to comment like how, um, awesome they are like it does not go unnoticed yeah like, T. Lloyd the other day during the during draft week I think he was just waiting around but he's been with the team for over 25 years and even he said like I'm just you know I'm soaking it in I'm, I'm we're blessed that we're even in this position to be like help with the team be part of the team yeah we definitely don't take any of this for granted yeah I think and then you touched on the the Mexico thing that was really cool to see too like to be in another country in Mexico city and like see this work that like months went into the making of all that, whether it was across the branding for social or the physical signage that went up in um, the fan central area. And then seeing the fans like interacting with it and like taking photos with it and waiting in line for hours just to go inside and to see like how much that meant to them or like just getting one of the stickers that we had as a giveaway or a t-shirt and how much that meant to them and like seeing that in person was really cool. In terms of being in person, you guys are obviously here every game day at home, but all of you have had the chance to also work games on the road. What kind of uh, learnings can you take from that, whether it's being in a new stadium, seeing their game at presentation, um, or just kind of like being in a new environment? I mean, I think one of the things is you can learn from the other designers that are on other teams. Like you get to meet them and they can show you around like their space and, and how they do things maybe slightly differently. Um, but also just seeing the environment of what they're doing, seeing your fans on the road, because that's one thing that our fans do really well is travel and go to away games. Um, I mean, Noah, you could probably touch on the Vegas game. Yeah, this past year I was fortunate enough to go to um, our game against the Raiders, uh, in which we won in a shootout. (laughs) It was a very exciting game in Las Vegas uh, kind of fashion, and it was on um, New Year's Day. So it was like kind of an all-encompassing, lovely trip to Vegas. I think what you take away from that, though, is that it wasn't just like um, the experience of being there, being able to design, 
um, and do what I love to do. I think on that Friday, we had just gotten there and been able to check out the brand new Allegiant Stadium, this $1 billion stadium. Get to meet the designers there. I think that's super valuable and get to be in that environment. Like Las Vegas is not necessarily like Santa Clara in the way that there's not a ton of like fandom because they're a new franchise there. So you learn different, you know, little things about these, you know, pieces and how it operates. Like the Mexico trip was super valuable for a lot of our team. I think like taking these little advantages, not only for like uh, our team, but, my, you know, personal growth, it's like, you know, a really fantastic opportunity. It's a cool thing to notice. Like every, every brand team uh, has their own canvas, their own, their own blank space to create and to brand. And every stadium has so many different things about it. I mean, Noah, you, 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 I think you and your dad had visited many arenas around the country, and that's been a, your thing. You want to explain that? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it goes separate from work, but my dad and I, when I was a kid, I tried to visit every uh, NBA stadium in the U.S., so we were not Toronto Raptors fans. <laughs> but uh, I think it was a really cool opportunity. We made it to, like, 16 and got to see, like, Steve Nash – Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant play in the peaks of their career. Like, uh, I, I think that's always been like a part of the DNA of how I operate, like learning from different places. Um, but, you know, physically being there in all these arenas, um, it was super cool to do that with my dad. It's really about testing out the different uh, press boxes, seeing what the food's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should start a ranking. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you don't have that yet, Patty. Yeah, I didn't think of it till now. So <laughs> come and see. We could use some AI technology. Yeah, you know. Off off the top of your head, what's your top three? Ooh, um, from what I recall, I think Tampa Bay's press box had a really good setup. Like any place that has like a meat carving station, you know, it's got to be pretty <laughs> mm. good. Those are good days. Those are good days. That comes to mind. I think Kansas City was pretty good. They have, you know, barbecue and things like that. And then during the Pro Bowl, Vegas had a really good dessert spread. So not necessarily like the food provided, but they had this like donut set up and like cook. Oh, so it was like a sweet tooth's dream. Mm. I do remember in Vegas, they had a 49ers cookie. Mm. They had like the cookie of the team that uh, they were playing and themselves. Yeah. I wonder which were eaten more often, but I don't think anybody <laughs> yeah, do got that data. Do you eat your own team or do you eat the other team? I know. I think also it might have been Carolina. They have a soft serve machine. Mm. Big points. That, that's always working. This isn't yes. as exciting as a soft serve machine. I really appreciate that Lambo has a salad bar. So I feel like game day food, you're like, how many chicken nuggets can I eat? <laughs> having a salad, like having a green yeah, on there yeah. was very nice. Stressful games during the season, I always reach for like the worst thing for your, your oh. body. Like I'm <laughs> eating ice cream in the mid fourth quarter. I'm like I'm eating ice cream for breakfast. I'm really drinking nacho cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's like helping my, my emotions. Oh. I know. I think the most disappointing was the Super Bowl press box. And maybe it's because we were in the auxiliary. Uh, you know, nothing against what they had going on there because the food outside of that was amazing, but the press box was like a boxed sandwich, which is not my thing. Like a canned water, which is a really strange feeling. And uh, I think that was kind of it. I forgot about that. I was just happy to be there, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of too stressed to eat much anyways, but 
That's funny because when I'm stressed, I like overeat. I'm eating like M&Ms and like Sour Patch Kids like at the same time. Like it's just, you know. I think I eat before. Like my dad Mm. always texts me before a game and is like, what do you guys have in the press box today? What are you eating? And, uh, And then I don't really eat as much throughout. What game have you been the most stressed for? Um, recent memory, I would probably say the NFC Championship game against the Rams. Yeah. That was a roller coaster. Because we had it. (laughs) (laughs) It was right there. Um, I mean, fortunately, uh, two years in a row, we've been able to plan my birthday, and I feel like, and, and it's January, so it's late January football, January 22nd. So we beat the Packers the first time in the Blizzard game, and then we this year beat the Cowboys. So I feel like I have to give it my all um, so that, you know, the team can do the same with me. Uh, and it's worked out so far. We so. need to have more playoff games on your birthday. How yeah. fortunate for you. They just need to move the schedule <laughs> up so then, you know, we'll just keep playing on my birthday. Then, it, you know, yes. it turns out well. Let's keep playing on Noah's birthday and never on mine. Mm. Do you ever feel weird having to share your birthday with the 49ers? No, never weird. <laughs> no, I I think it's a really fun experience though, because it's like you work you work so hard to get to moments like these. Like you know, that's the most important part of the season. It's super fun to be there. Um, you are one of like eight to four teams left, and um, you just want to win so bad for many reasons. One of them is because you want it to be like a gift. So <laughs> it's been a gift two times in a row. <laughs> You've had that Disneyland credit for a while, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a whole story in itself. Like, I, I thought to myself, you know, I'll go. I'm, I'm in California for the first time or whatever. So two years ago, I wanted to visit my buddy down in L.A., and I'd go to Disneyland and, you know, have a good time. And uh, I still have the ticket sitting in my queue because they don't cancel it, thankfully. But I still have it. Like, I can go whenever I want. It's like a ticket that it's, you know, use whenever. Yeah, we didn't we didn't start that season super hot, and I was like, be careful. I mean, we can turn it around. I've seen it happen. Yep, and it happened. happened. Here's to Noah never going to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) As long as we keep winning, if we win the Super Bowl, then he can celebrate. We're gonna do the meme of I'm going to Disney, but we're gonna ask Noah where he's going. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you guys are so supportive. Do you guys have, or you do, what is your favorite project that you've worked on? Um, I'm going to say the Faithful to the Bay Gold Jackets. I mean, I've, we've done so, uh, between the three of us, There's we've done so much that we see on, on the stadium and, you know, out in social media. But when you see diehard fans, like, really wearing this gold jacket and, like, so proud of it, it's, it's you know, I almost get emotional, you know, when I see, like, pictures of like fans with with their kids and decked out i think it's just we you kind of see the the game day part of it like when we leave for the stadium on game days we'd see like our fans putting up um their car flags and then like their car's all decked out and like that's their whole day they plan their whole outfit and it's they've been looking for it for the whole year and it's just like man this is really people's lives so that Jack is just an like, example of that. Like, it's just so meaningful for them. I think mine's also not like a design. It's like a apparel design in a way, but it's the belt buckle. Um, just because it's such a unique 
thing to like see your design on a belt buckle. It's the only kind of metal thing that I've designed in that realm. Um, and then it has so much meaning with being the NFC West champions and, you know, a legacy that I think it's unique to the 49ers that they do that for every NFC West championship. Um, and so it's kind of going to live in history to be one of 400, 450, and then a, a really cool design to be able to do that for our, I think it had Levi Stadium on it because we'd had so many wins at Levi Stadium for that playoff run. It's heavy. It's like my favorite line from the Jurassic Park movie. Is it heavy? <laughs> then it's expensive. Put it away. <laughs> Put it um, if we're going along with the theme of like physical uh, things, uh, this past season I made for a giveaway um, a pennant flag, um, and I've seen it like several times used by people. So like that does not go unnoticed. It's like super neat to see you know, people actually using these physical things. Like we said, our brand is so like organic. We love that stuff. Uh, we're trying to make it digital as best as we can. I think we've communicated that early in this podcast, but seeing like that physical organic stuff like out in the wild, that's amazing. So yeah, I think just to reiterate, you know, I, all of these projects are, they're like very tangible things. Like you could pick it up and, yeah. you know, place it somewhere. Yeah, it's cool that we've all done like, thousands of social graphics and digital graphics every year and we all picked something that's like tangible it's that you the can analog keep. part like like people still love i went to the i went to uh barnes and noble the other day and there's still a cd section and like there's like a handful handful of people in there like digging through cds i'm like it's not gonna go away and like vinyl too vinyl has been around forever and people love the analog like actually holding something and reading the cover or you know things that they could be atta emotionally attached to. So I think that's where it comes from. Like, I'm not like emotionally attached to like social graphics. I mean, as much as we love doing social graphics, like I'm not going to hold my phone close to my heart and hey be like- Hey now. <laughs> <laughs> that like Kermit meme where he's like holding the phone to his heart. What are yeah. people playing their CDs on? I mean, I feel like record players made a comeback and like it's cool to have that sitting in your living room, but like what are they playing CDs on now? CD players? Boomboxes? <laughs> Do people still have Most those? Cars like, don't never... have CD players yeah. anymore. So. My 2007 Toyota Highlander does. The 2015 <laughs> Subaru Outback sure does. <laughs> nice Mine stuff. can actually hold six at one time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. That is I, fancy. I had like one of the first Nokia uh, MP3 phones and it held like eight songs at a time. So when I, <laughs> my brother went to school in San Diego and I would go on the road trip to San Diego by myself. And I had to choose wisely, like, these better be the these best, the most, <laughs> the what best was, songs. What, do you remember any of them? It was, I was really into, like, Incubus and, it was like a mix of Incubus and Kanye West and whatever was hot back then, early 2000s. And you just listened to those eight on repeat yeah. until you got it, to San it Diego. It better be, like, the most addicting songs. <laughs> <laughs> Are you someone who can listen to the same song over and over and over again, or do you need diversity? I am not. I've gotten used to it. I, I, I do music production on the side, like on my, on my spare time, which is very little. But you have to be able to do that. Like if you're writing a song or making a beat, you, have to, you literally listen to it like hundreds of times. So I'm acclimated to that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a bad person. I have Apple Music, and I just put on, like, the radio create station button, 
And I don't know like any of the song names or the artists that sing any of the songs I like. So it might come back one day and I'll see them again, but I have no idea. You're a rare Apple music person. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the one. Guy. I'm Apple Music. Yeah, I mean, it's not himself. that rare. What did we have an Amazon Music once? We had, so every year the digital social team uh, shares their end of the year Spotify. Wrapped. Wrapped. Thank yes. you. And every year, Kiana Martin, who was the old team reporter, couldn't do it because she was Pandora. Pandora. And Phil Testa was Amazon, and he couldn't do it. So we always had two holdouts. Amazon Music. I've like never met anyone that listens strictly to Amazon Music. But. I'm pretty sure I signed up for Spotify the day it came out. I was working in the office, and I, I saw that push notification. I signed up. So I'm an OG. I think I was using, in college, I was using Pandora. But I was also using this thing called like Groove Shark or, and like SoundCloud. There's a handful of those. Pandora, there was Slacker.com. But I am someone who can listen to the song over and over again. And which is you like... You can. One year on your Spotify wrapped, it said you listened to one song. Like, like a thousand times. It was like, it was like 400 times. Might and we looked like, it up oh. and the song came out in like August. So that means from August to December, she listened to it 400 times. I think times. I can tell you which song it was. I think it was Peaches by Justin Bieber. They played that on the radio a thousand times. Yeah, but I don't listen to the radio. You all are in for a treat. When you have kids... You, you have no control over that. So like the past three years, I've had like the Moana theme song. Great song. A Whole New World. And <laughs> I don't, now it's Black. My daughter's really into Blackpink. So songs you're, you hear like hundreds of times a day. So get used to it. Oh, I crave the variety. Like I want to listen to country music one day and then classic rock the next day. And then some like 90s pop hits or something like I just crave the variety. I don't like listening to the same thing over and over again. I'm, I'm proud of my Spotify unwrapped every year. Like, yep, all kids songs. Let <laughs> me share that again. Good dad award. I'm going to send this back to the Apple Music man in the room. Tell me about Photoshop Thursdays and how that came about. I don't know how it relates to Apple Music. but Smooth. But uh, yeah, so Photoshop Thursdays have been like a really cool tradition that I've started here. Uh, so... I noticed like a lot during the season, other marketing folks were coming up to me and being like, hey, that was really cool. Like, I'd love to learn someday how to do that. Like, I, and people say that all the time about uh, design stuff. And you never really think of any proactive way to deal with it. It's just like, oh, well, you know, thanks. Yeah, I hope that for you too. But, you know, and nothing ever comes of it. So, you know, I, I think um, we had some time this off season and there was plenty of interest and downtime where people were like, yeah, I'd love to learn. And it's hard when you're in a full-time role to, like, actively still churn your brain and not become a robot and just, like, keep doing. And I think that's what I tried to solve with these Photoshop Thursdays. So Thursdays at 3.30, um, right before the 49ers happy hour, we have a lovely get-together for about 45 minutes um, to an hour of just folks um, who are interested. You know, you make it, you can. If you can't, it's totally fine. We pick up, and it's not, like at a pace where you get too far off, you can't come back. We create graphics together. So, um, yeah, we, we've created, I think, six weeks worth of, you know, super neat graphics that are totally tangible, um, things that we create during the season. And, yeah, I think people are really enjoying, like, having a new skill to learn, using their brain, and also, like, doing it together because that's the easiest way. A lot of design is muscle memory, 
So using your hands and me, you know, I used to be, you know, the type of teacher where you'd go up and like try to press the keys for somebody. I think it takes a lot of like my brain power to like not do that. Like I don't want to be the hands-on one. So it's great. It's like a lot of folks are learning, you know, super cool things around here. Makes my job a lot easier in the long run if they can do their own yeah, graphics. Teach them how to fish. Yeah. Uh, honestly, just being the uh, observer, I, I'm 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 gladly the TA in that that hour of every week. <laughs> it's the most heart heart warming hour in the week, which is lovely to watch. And Noah, his long term goal, I believe, is he wants to be a professor. So he's he's using that muscle, and it's like really cool to see. Yeah, he like will put together the lesson plan every week. And uh, he's just very natural at it. So it's cool to see him thrive in that environment. But like everybody gets really excited about it too. So it's cool to see them get to learn it. And, you know, if we're all out on the same day, then hopefully somebody can step in. Right, Patty? I'm probably the worst student ever. I think I've attended two classes and I haven't done any of my homework. But I can attest he's a great teacher. And I really enjoy the classes. the homework part's nothing. I think like it is all about being there and like, It's funny because I thought like, oh, I make these presentations every week or whatever on Google Slides or something. And I thought, oh, you know, that won't really help. And then I've seen like folks who join late be able to create using those. So it's it is really helpful to start to use your brain again. And it's it's some great stuff. But Patty's been phenomenal, too. She made some great stuff. Some fire graphics. Fire graphics. It's also expanded outside of marketing, which I think is really cool. You have someone from the BSA team. You have someone from EDU. So I also think it's a really cool way to like build camaraderie within like the organization itself beyond who you work with and see every day. Yep. What would, exactly. what would it be the equivalent coming from the content team of, of Photoshop Thursdays? Mm. We don't like helping anyone <laughs> <laughs> when in fact we help everyone. Uh, he just had a caption. Probably captions or like just 101. So like when I'm talking about like paid ads and things, people will know what I'm talking about or like when I'm telling you guys about the latest trends, right? Like, oh, Instagram's pivoting from reels to uh, carousels. I mean, do you guys want like a grammar and punctuation Tuesday? Does not sound that exciting. (laughs) But, you know, I think it would pay off in the long run. I think it's very underrated. I would benefit from that. I, I... As someone who consumes social media, I'm very attuned to diction and and proper grammar and syntax and things like that. And so, like, if you have a wrong there, 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 like, <laughs> I look at you a little bit differently. When I post caption, <laughs> when I post on Instagram, I spend like an hour. I think that's why I take my my social media breaks because, like, I I find myself spending too much time like creating content. I'm like, I do this at work, you know. I, I build the content yeah. at work, but then. I'm taking time away from like my family and, and it's like, oh, I got to put my phone down. How long did it take you to do that? It's going to be May story that you did. <laughs> that last was night. like spur, legit spur of the moment. Uh, it was like 9 p.m. last night. I was like, you know, that song, the, in, the NSYNC, it's going to be May song. It's been stuck in my head. I'm just going to record that. So I have this app called Acapella app and you just record your harmonies and your, your voice singing. And that, I hadn't used that app in like four years. So it was fun. And it's May. <laughs> How long did that take? Um, probably like 45 minutes. That's not bad. What are your tips for someone who's trying to create like an aesthetic on their personal social? 
Like you guys all kind of add like design elements. What you Noah got? just looked at me and shook his head. <laughs> I mean, he helps Patty create. Yes, her for those who aesthetic. don't know, my aesthetic is brought to you by Noah Hammerman himself. <laughs> I wish I was as cool as Patty one day. <laughs> I want to grow up to I be think Patty Quinn. What most people do with their own content is like committing to one type of filter or one way to edit. Like photos, people like to use the white frames. And you know, shrink down their photos so like their the thumbnails, their their photo stream looks really clean. I'm like the worst at that because I just I'm kind of run and gun when I push content on my own social. But that's what a lot a lot of uh, content creators do. I feel like I wait till the end of the day because I want to enjoy whatever it is I'm doing, and then I'll do like a curated story. And I use an app called Unfold, and I just like place in the photo and video and than kind of the text as I go. But I think the thing that takes me the longest is when I, I can, I'm fine with filtering a photo. I'm fine with the layout and all that stuff. It's coming up with what to say in the caption. Like it gets me every time like that. I could just sit there for like 30 minutes. Like I don't like any of these ideas. I don't know. What, sometimes Patty will reach out and be like, what do you think like our caption should be? And I'm like, I don't know why you're asking me that. I'm terrible <laughs> at this part of things. Sometimes we come up with good stuff. Yeah. If I worked in your department, I would I would only put out one piece of content per game. <laughs> Overthinking things. Yeah, just sitting there thinking about it. I mean, I'm constantly overthinking. And like I think my captions are so bad on my personal account because I spend all my good words on the team account. I'm just but you guys pre plan a lot too. We try, yeah, when we can. But then like things like draft where you're just like on the fly. That's when that's when you're really put you, to the test. Do you have stuff in drafts during like on a game day? Or, yes. Yes. And do you have a list of captions like ready to go, ready to fire off? I do. Yeah. So I typically will look at the opponent that we're playing and then, you know, use jargon that is used in their from their city and and you know, sometimes it's a little shady for sure, but like I try to to match like our our copy to to things that people associate with the other team. So. I mean, Haley, you even have a list of captions. I do. I have a list of captions for my personal anytime I like have inspo because I just know where I would like to travel someday. So I have a list of like Egypt captions that I've had for like five years. Eventually I was going to go. Prepared. Yeah. Do you feel obligated to to stay in the know of like new new albums new say like a new drake album comes out you have to listen to those songs so you so you know what to caption and what's what's hip or not yeah i mean i think naturally i actually like listening to drake so i think that makes it easy but i mean there's there's artists dropping stuff every single day and i can't keep up with all of it i think also trying to uh trying to keep up with what the guys are listening to so it resonates with them as well is also hard. And I'm going to be really honest, I'm not listening to every single album that's out there, like especially if it's not in my in my genre. Um, so Google is incredibly helpful when it comes to finding lyrics or trying to tie a lyric to, you know, a certain play or highlight or whatever. But um, I think it is important to stay on top of um, pop culture trends for sure. When you're getting closer to 40, you're going to use Urban Dictionary a lot more. Like, what, what did that kid just say? <laughs> for sure. Noah, your tips? No. I don't really have... I mean, I'm not really good at social media, to be honest. I think I'm taking a lot more photos recently. 
um, but I'm not like posting them necessarily. Uh, I think like it's been more of a family thing that we love taking photos um, and not posting them <laughs> or putting them anywhere. Um, I think they're just like for us and I don't know where they go one day or whatever, or some, somebody messes up some iCloud thing and they're all gone. But uh, I think it is like a very neat thing, like family tradition that we all love just taking images despite where they go. Social media wise though, I'm posting like, you know, pickleball highlights of myself <laughs> um, pretty much exclusively. Uh, I like your brand hashtag sweaters. I know, do too. I've, I, I like continue like, you know, if if something's stuck, it works forever. I think I've hashtag sweaters since like 2016 or 17. And it's because um, I feel like, A, I wore a lot of them. And in our high school, like, allowed, uh, it was like a uniform kind of thing. So you could wear this. You could wear a suit or whatever. You could wear, you know, a collared shirt. Or you could wear, like, a nice uh, quarter zip with, like, a polo underneath. Th those were, like, your options. And every day I chose the quarter zip because it was comfortable. Um, it felt me. And uh, I haven't turned back. So, like, every day I'm either wearing, like, I'm never wearing like a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm always wearing like a layer over it. So I feel that brand. comfort no, and secure. Yeah. Noah has a brand. Like when you get to know him, it's very endearing to see every day. And he walks in like, my he's so unbranded with himself. <laughs> and it's just, I'm just, I'm just happy to be around you. Oh, <laughs> mom Same. and dad, you'll love to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> what are, aside from the social media apps, what is one app everyone should have if they want to work on their personal branding? Well, I said I use Unfold. I also use um, Photoshop on my phone for photo editing, but I don't. I think that comes with Creative Cloud, so I'm not sure what the free version is like. I use this app called InShot. I think it's a paid app. It's only like 20 bucks per year. I'm not sure, but um, you could do video editing on the fly and also edit photos. It does. It does a little bit of everything. So if you're just trying to use one app on all your content, that's a really great app to use. Yeah, this used to be a big conversation in the sports design space where it was like app for app, like what apps do you use and whatever. And the answer for like professional designers was always like, oh, Photoshop or whatever. But, you know, I, I started doing like design in 2016 or 2015 on my phone in Temple when my mom said I couldn't be using my phone. And I was like, please just let me. This is so boring. Um, She's going to be thrilled to hear that. No, but she knows this story. I've told it a million times. And it's true. Like, you just start off, and I thought, um, I don't even know what app it was. I think it might have been Visco or something, which I still use today, which is would be my answer for if you want to, like, filter things. You know, not only, like, photos, but videos. Um, but uh, it's, it's like I turned up all the settings on every uh, single, like, thing to the top of the meter on one of these pictures and it was like super saturated and disgusting by the end but at least like it gets your brain thinking like oh this is really interesting you can like manipulate imagery and i thought it was super cool so i'd say that for like you know if you want to get into creating a personal brand with imagery and then professionally christine has me on this whole kick of using like linkedin for actual like <laughs> business purposes so i've actually like been using linkedin and keeping up with it so i mean people look at it it's not bad to have up to date for sure when you get a promotion you know yeah. shout it out you have my business which isn't an app necessarily but you know <laughs> it it's an app this is the end of part one make sure you stay tuned for part two 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.